0: So I got you a present I went next door to get it Doing anything tonight
1: Cleaning
0: You're done for the day
1: No way
0: Cause we got a date
1: Okay Before you board that plane I owe you a bottle of cold champagne No.
2: Damn, the bottles are sweaty
1: and everything You went and got this Pop the champagne
2: I don't know if we have coffee cups or plastic cups I already packed the cups
0: Tonight, we're drinking straight from the bottle Usnavi Yeah Daniela told me what you did for me And it's honestly the sweetest thing anyone ever did for me
1: what can I say or do to possibly repay you for your kindness? How do you get this gold shit off?
2: Usnabi. Yeah. Before you go leave town Before the corner changes and the signs are taken down
1: Let's walk around the neighborhood and say Hello and welcome to Broadway Radios, this week on Broadway for Sunday, June 27th, 2021. And we're back. My name is James Marino, and on the broadcast today, we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His columns appear at Masterworks, Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hello. Hello. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You could see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. Well, the kids wrecked the place last week. While the three of us were gone, <laughs> Matt and Ashley and Grace, they just tore it all up. I've got Duran Duran posters everywhere. It's, cr- it's crazy. Kid, they they actually probably don't even know who Duran Duran is. So, should we all should we all
0: sing a chorus of kids from Bye Bye Birdie? Uh,
1: that's very very apt, Michael. We should have done that last week. So uh, I hope that you were able to uh, listeners tune in and hear what Matt, and Ashley, and Grace had to say about Oslo and uh, in the Heights last week. Um, Uh, Michael and I are going to talk about In the Heights a little bit later, but most importantly, the most feedback that we got was there was no trivia last week. So, Peter, Felicia, (laughs) take it away. What's the answer to last week's trivia?
2: (laughs) Well, um, last week's question was a number of actors made a film that was turned into a Broadway play many moons later. Each of them was in the original cast of Broadway shows, some before the film, some after in nine plays and three musicals? Well, the answer the film was 12 Angry Men, which eventually wended its way to Broadway. Martin Balsam was in Nowhere to Go But Up, a musical. John Fiedler was in A Raisin in the Sun. Lee J. Cobb in Death of a Salesman. E.G. Marshall in Waiting for Godot. Jack Klugman was in Gypsy. Edward Bins in Caligula. Jack Warden in The Body Beautiful, which was a Bach and Harnick show, the first one. Henry Fonder in Mr. Roberts. Joseph Sweeney in The Crucible. Ed Begley in All My Sons. Josh Voskovec in The Physicists. And Robert Weber in Period of Adjustment. I listed them in that order because that's how they were listed as jurors, 1 to 12, in the show. Paul Witte was the first to get it, followed by Tony Janicki, J. Aubrey Jones, Jack Leshner, Dennis Spiegel, And Brigadude, who showed that he can indeed answer questions involving (laughs) plays, and not simply ones that refer to musicals. Okay, this week's question. This beloved three-time Tony-nominated musical performer married a man whose last name was the same as the first name of the town in which she was born. The marriage didn't last. The town has. Who's she? Who's he?
1: Okay. If you know that, email us at trivia at com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. So I started off by saying, and we're back, because mm-hmm. last night on Saturday evening on June 26th, Bruce Springsteen brought his show back to Broadway and did what I'm going to call a soft reopening of uh, Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think that they uh, specifically are Uh, You know, are doing a show that is a little bit simpler to do, a small Mm -hmm. cast and things like that, to understand uh, how to get people safely in and out of the theater. The St. James was packed, 1741 tickets sold, I think is what they said last night, Uh, aside from the fact that they also told uh, the media that they were not going to publish grosses because the tickets for this are $850 and up. Are they really? Yes. Mm. So um mm. I mean I don't feel bad for the mere $300 Hamilton tickets anymore. Wow. So <laughs> So but Peter wow. you said uh you walked by the theater and there was uh, some commotion. So describe what you saw and I can tell you what happened.
2: Yeah, um I, I was walking down um to uh Ganswood Street uh from my 56th Street uh mans and um Uh, And I was amazed that there was so much commotion going on. Uh, There were police barricades and a lot of policemen around and all that kind of stuff to make sure Um, It wasn't uh, a problem. But um, I I was amazed to see that happening. I I, I saw signs, but um, they were turned the wrong way when I saw them. So I didn't even know what it was about. But there was a lot of um, and this was about mm, 730, something like that. Um, But uh, good Lord. um, What was it, James?
1: Well, uh, it turns out that um, in order to see Bruce Springsteen in the St. James up and close and live uh, Mm -hmm. yesterday and for the next uh, couple of uh, months that he's going to be at the St. James, you have to be fully vaccinated. And these were anti-vax protesters that were um, very loud uh, outside of the St. James Theater, Whoa. and taunting people going into the St. James really? Theater Whoa. and people coming out of the St. James Theater, but it seems that it was mostly taunting, and there was no, nothing physical about it, and they were very loud. But um, interesting that uh, you know, uh, it, it's shocking because you know, vaccination cards are selling on the internet for three three hundred and fifty dollars. But if you wait just, a minute, you mean like, like <clears throat> fake people ones. who uh, fake yeah. ones? Wow. Yeah. So if you, uh, you know, (laughs) Um. you can get the shot for free and just get your free card. But okay. Um, So that's what was happening at the St. James. I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing thing or if it was just last night for the cameras because the media was there to report on the opening. uh, And uh, New York Times wrote about it. uh, And uh, a few other outlets had gone. I think that uh, Peter Marks was there and David Gordon was there. And. A few of our uh, our other uh, First Night friends uh, were there to review it, and um, it seems that Bruce has changed up the show just a bit. It's mostly the same uh, with some uh, updates in, in the middle there. So, uh, um, you know, it's a good a good way to get the logistics and Broadway back in front of people, and it seemed to go off without a hitch last night, and so... Good for everybody involved. I hope that it, well, I hope it, that they're learning.
2: Well, it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm surprised, though. I, I didn't think there'd be so many people in our neck of the woods who would uh, feel that way uh, enough to make a protest. And uh, I'm always sorry about people who feel they're right about things, uh, 100% right to this point. And I'm, I'm not just talking about vaccination. I'm talking about anything. But it really does prove, once again, that we really are two separate countries. And um, it's, it's going to stay that
0: way for a long time, I'm sorry to say. For what it's worth, that this may be a stereotype, but I would suspect that they're not from our neck of the woods. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Um, And and also, uh, James, (laughs) do you know the actual mechanism of it? Uh, Do you uh, theoretically bring either your actual card or or maybe a a photo of it on your phone and show it as you enter the theater?
1: I have not seen uh, an in-depth description of it. Okay. Uh, So I, I... I don't know if it happens at the point of purchase, when you know we purchase oh. ahead of time, <laughs> or if they're checking out the door, and I don't know how you validate it. And I mean, it's just... It can't be box to,
2: office. It can't it's, be, because they yeah. give the tickets to somebody else, you know, so... It,
1: it's it, it got to be, be, you know, uh, somewhat of a trust system, because uh, certainly... You know New York State has an app that you can put on your phone that right. val- validates it and things like that yes but, uh, i don 't know about the other i don 't know about New Jersey, Connecticut, or Pennsylvania or any, anywhere else, uh, although they did announce last week that they are taking the, uh, the, the uh, moderna uh, mm-hmm. so that if people are from uh, other countries that are visiting the United States and had the moderna shot, they can get in as well to various Broadway shows. So uh, I, I, think, I think, again, that this is, a, this is you know, a, a great way to reopen Broadway, and also it's a great way to learn about how this process is going to work in, uh, when Broadway go, gets up to full strength. You know, well, it's Well, um,
2: yeah, I, I'm a little surprised. Um, every restaurant I've gone into has uh, taken my temperature. And uh, this has happened no fewer than um, a dozen, dozen and a half times. And yet I flew twice in the last um, uh, week, Uh, once to Wichita, to Music Theater of Wichita, once to Madison, Wisconsin for the Forward Theater Company. And I wasn't asked to um show any validation of, of of any vaccination i wasn't my temperature wasn't taken um i even it had been so long since i had flown i hadn't flown since i had gone to st louis a year and a half ago that um you even had to put Things and remember, you have to put things in a plastic bag, mm-hmm. little to, tiny tubes of toothpaste, and what have you. I forgot to do it, and, and only later did I realize I had forgotten to do it. But nobody questioned me on it. Um, and again, we are talking about um, a total of four flights, and um, where this would be relevant. And I was very surprised that there was none of that. Once it occurred to me that they didn't look for my little plastic bag um, with toothpaste, etc. So it seemed to me that the um, airlines were kind of relaxed. Compared to so many other things that I've uh, been involved with.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's. Uh, I think that the airlines are start to starting to get back up to speed as well, and the TSA. Uh,
2: well, the airports were packed. I mean, you you, you can't go to Wichita and Madison directly um, from New York, um, and so. I flew to Houston first to go to Wichita, and on the way back I flew to Dallas. And for Madison, uh, it was Charlotte both times. And every airport looked like it was pre-pandemic. Everyone.
1: Oh, Peter! It's Houston, not Houston. (laughs) I've often wondered.
2: (laughs) I've often wondered if that was an immigrant thing, you know, that it really was Houston, and they pronounced it. I'm sure. I'm you sure. think so, too? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. That's what I've always assumed. <laughs> kind of so, New Yorker, um, or do you call yeah. yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know so if I you was guys... I in Boston, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't
0: know if you saw, but um, Alan Teasley mm-hmm. wrote in the chat that uh, it, he, he said, I think they've always allowed Moderna. It was AstraZeneca. Oh. Uh, that, uh-huh. was, that was, you know, so the rule is now any vaccine authorized by the FDA or the WHO. Okay. What was
2: the name of that Astra
0: what?
1: AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca.
2: It sounds like something the wizard in Once Upon a Mattress
1: would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So uh Peter, you mentioned that you've been on flights. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh we we took last week off because you were um uh, on the in t- in the two different states that you had mentioned, Michael was in his mm-hmm. own was in his own state up at P town, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, and it was Father's Day here, so I, I I sort of took it off so I could do lawn work. Um, so, uh, Are your kids nice to you? <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> I withdraw the question. They were all very right. nice. And my, oh, my, my right. son my son gave me a. Um, uh, uh, uh I can't think of the name of it net right now. It, it's like this super cold um super yeti. It's called a yeti. It's a it keeps everything super cold for days on end no matter That's what nice. what it's That's in, nice. um, yeah, okay. which is great for me. So uh and and uh so it was a nice father's day, but Good. back to you guys. You yeah. you were traveling and uh you went out to Music Theater Wichita first. Tell us about mm. that. Well, they were doing Mirette.
2: Now, this may not be a title known to many people, um, even though it was written by Harvey Schmidt and Tom Jones, uh, who, of course, wrote the Fantastics. And uh, many know his there 110 in the Shade and there I do, I do. And even some people know their celebration, uh, their 1969 musical. Um uh, by the way, I met with Paul Witty and his lovely wife, and uh, we had lunch. Yeah. And I'm saying I'm saying this because I was telling the story of um, when I was married, and uh, we came to New York before going on our honeymoon, and uh, we went immediately to the Ambassador Theater to buy tickets for um, Celebration, and um, they only had one left. So I was married a matter of hours, and already I was sorry, grateful, um, because. But it was so interesting because Melissa, uh, Paul, Whitty's wife said, Paul would have taken the ticket. So anyway, who knows? <laughs> anyway, so music theater, of Wichita, Mirette, um, terrific, terrific production and a very, very smart choice to make at this moment in time. Why do I say that? OK, usually when you go to music theater, of Wichita, you see um, uh, 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 dozens of people on stage, a big ensemble and all that. This was a show for only 12 people. And so any uh, questions and worries anybody would have about that famous thing, boy, when actors get on stage and they speak and all the droplets come out of their mouth and all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a a good deal of social distancing on the stage just by the very nature of the show. The second thing is they didn't use their usual theater. Now, their usual theater is enormous. It's 2,100 seats. And (laughs) this is such an institution in Wichita that (laughs) virtually all the times I go, it is fall. So, but. Um, it's in um, the Century 2 Center, which also includes a convention hall, and that's where they did the show in the convention hall. Uh-huh. So the stage was substantially larger than what they have in um, in the usual theater, and um, the space <clears throat> was larger as well. Uh, there were seats in the back, usual theater seats, uh, cushiony type theater seats, but they also set up folding chairs up in front um, where there is usually an empty space. And so there was plenty of opportunity for social distancing. And uh, that was great too. Um well, the other thing, too, is that Mirette, which I saw at Goodspeed um, close to 23 years ago, is based on a children's book. And the children's book only has 800 words in it. It's really interesting that Jones and Schmidt and their book writer, is Elizabeth Diggs, would um, see a musical in a book that only has 800 uh, words of that. And what it simply is, um, is about a high wire artist who has soured on life and um does and doesn't want to do it anymore um he doesn't seem to want to do it publicly but he doesn't mind doing it um in when nobody's watching um and that's something that he um does at this marvelous little um inn where theatrical performers tend to congregate ballet stars um mimes um jugglers etc etc so um so Mirette. Is the daughter of the woman who runs the uh, inn for um, performers, which of course does involve some sort of um, conflict in the in the fact that um, sometimes performers aren't working and they don't have the money to pay rent. So that's something that uh, doesn't show up in the eight hundred words, but does show up in the musical. And um, anyway, uh, the um, the uh, high wire walker. And, um, and his high wire (laughs) set up in the backyard. And he, um, he's really a very famous man. Um, Bellini is his um, actual name. And he is actually known in the trade as the great Bellini. But again, uh, he's had a setback and I'm not going to say what it is, but, but he still has this need to do this. And he does this, he sets up a wire out of the, um, the, um, the view of many people but Mirette finds him she's a little girl and she's entranced by it she has really found what she wants to do with her life and of course he's reluctant to teach her because he doesn't want to take on um, a little girl and teach and that's not how he wants to spend his time but he does notice that her feet are ideal for this type of thing so all right because of her enthusiasm because of her um, natural uh, body um, she will. Um, he will take her on, but, but of course, her, her mother's petrified. I mean, because that wire keeps on getting higher and higher, and uh, whoa, you know, what if she falls? What if she kills herself? You know, so there's, there's a conflict there, and um, so it is all about um, finding yourself, finding what you want to do with your life, uh, having to deal with uh, a parent who may feel otherwise. Uh, so many of us can relate to this; uh, it becomes universal on that level. And it really is a lovely score. And I have to say that one of the songs, which I had heard before, because Joseph Schmidt did a show called The Show Goes On, and that is indeed from this show. That song is from this show. And it has really been um, permeating my head ever since. And um, so it's a very nice score. I don't believe there's a cast album. If there is, it's escaped me. And it's really too bad. But I'm going to say that if you're uh, a group that's in community theater and you're looking for a musical that you want to do, that isn't going to be too complicated, do *Mirette*. Now you're going to say, wait, 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 wait high wire walking. Are you kidding me? No, actually, at good speed, they did have two high wire walkers. If I recall correctly, I'm pretty sure that's what I remember seeing. And you might say, who has the time to to do this? Who's going to find two people who can do this? Well, you know, theater is imagination. How many times have we seen people at a dinner theater taking drinks from their drinks and there's nothing in the drink? There's no liquid in there. And we accept that type of thing. So Wayne Bryan, the longtime director there, decided simply to have a platform. And, uh, you know, with waving arms and what have you and uh, cautious steps, we accepted the illusion that indeed it was a high wire act. And, you know, that's quite fine. Uh, It certainly served. I don't think anybody lost anything. I don't think anybody felt that they were cheated for not having um, people actually on high wires. I mean, if you want to do the show and you do have people of this ilk, uh, you know, so much the better. But I don't think it's necessary. And um, so Mirette is something you should really look at. And I'm very, very proud of Wayne Bryan, who makes so many smart decisions, so many smart decisions and has during his period of time there. He'll be leaving eventually. Um, He wants to retire. He wants to go to Palm Springs. He wants to go back to California, where he's from. And um, he's hired a marvelous man um, named Brian J. Markham, uh, who has done choreography there. And I've seen his choreography, and it's really quite terrific. So I do believe musical theater of Wichita, which has had a glorious past, is going to have a wonderful future as well. Now, again, you know, it's so hard to convince people that Wichita, Kansas would have this jewel. But it's really true. And what's really wonderful as well, of course, is anybody you talk to who's been there. And that includes people like Christian Chenoweth, who was one of the Beatle Deedle D2 ladies, once upon a time will tell you how marvelous Wayne Bryan is as a human being, as well as a director. And I'm, I'm assuming that's going to um, influence and continue with uh, Brian J. Markham. And, um, so I wish the company well, as, um, as, as Wayne, um, um, leaves and, um, but a lot of smart decisions have been made by him um, during those uh, years, and um, this was one of them. Uh, it, <laughs> you really couldn't have a better show to start post-pandemic.
1: Um, Peter, if uh, if Moret were to come to Broadway directed by Julie Taymor and John Doyle, they would have the high wire and be playing the instruments as they cross, <laughs> which uh, could make for some sort of Cirque du Soleil co- uh, crossover. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, really, uh, Cirque du Soleil has had a couple of problems here and there. And uh, yeah. who knows, maybe they should have Mirette uh, in one in a small space in a black box uh, uh, happening while they're doing their other shows. But yes, if there's anybody in Cirque du Soleil who is uh, who is interested in being in a musical, this would be a very good uh, vehicle <laughs> for uh, these people. Uh, lovely, lovely score, though. I hope it does get a cast album somewhere along the line. You know, uh, Honk didn't have a, a, um, an album um, until. Music theater in Wichita did one, and um, good news which then <clears throat> which Wayne and Mark Madama resuscitated uh, they made an album as well a good news the nineteen twenty seven musical which has gotten a number of productions as a result of their um, massaging it and um and taking it uh in into a new era and um, it's uh, so we have two albums at least from them there may be more but um I'd like to see a third jewel of the Triple Crown Be Moret Oh, by the way, um, this young girl—you know—you need a young girl and um, to do this and. You know, Caitlin Lemon, that's her name. Caitlin Lemon, I'm telling you, uh, it, she just had such assurance. It uh, Again, I, I always come back to this. Carl Wall now, who runs the uh, Centenary Young Performance Workshop out in uh, Hackettstown, New Jersey, who does very ambitious shows there. With, well, Michael Blevins is really the guy who does them. Uh, Carl's the producing uh, artistic director there. But Carl says, if you don't tell kids something is impossible, they just go out and do it. And Caitlin <laughs> Lemon proved that so beautifully. She just did the show. No, I and mean, was, there was nothing self-conscious about her performance whatsoever. Everybody else was uh, terrific too, and it was so nice to see um, Karen El Robu, who's a star there. And uh, deservedly so, uh, has actually played Rose and Gypsy. And when I talked to Wayne, and um, I mentioned the fact um, that um, I have an, a, a new book uh, that I sold, um, which is called uh, The Broadway Musical Book of Dis- Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements. And um, what it's going to be is like, who was the best gyp- uh, Rose and Gypsy? And so. Um, so he said to me, well, who is uh, what do you think uh, was the best one? I said, well, you know, I, I, I didn't see Ethel Merman. I was too young for that. But I did see Angela Lansbury, and I guess it would be she. And he said, um, well, for me, I think it would be Tyne Daly or Karen Robu." And, you know, it's not just civic pride that makes him say that. I mean, this woman really is a legend out in Wichita. And she took this reasonably small part. Um, and I'm sure because she was just hungry to get back on stage. But again, she was really quite marvelous. And uh, and, you know, the guy who played Paul, I have to say, too, an actor unknown to me named Michael D. Well, it's De Goros, De Goros, I think. Uh, forgive me if I'm getting it wrong. But anyway, um, he had a marvelous duet with her. Um, it's called um, She Isn't You. And the point is, um, the mother says uh, to him, she isn't you. You can't ex- uh, think just because you're a high-wired person that uh, she can be. And he says, well, she isn't you either. you know." And it's a terrific, terrific battle song um, that musical theater is famous for. And it's done tremendously well here. So... Um, but it was so nice to hear Wayne actually say Tyne Daly and Karen El Roku. Um And I didn't see that, Gypsy. But um, boy, um, now I'm wishing there were a time machine where I could.
1: I'm interested that you had mentioned that Wayne uh, was thinking about going to Palm Springs in California. Uh, it it I, I've noticed in the last bunch of years that a lot of people, former Broadway people, live in palm springs or have retired to palm springs i wonder is is there a a large regional theater out there or something else that would uh that would be a great developments hub in palm springs in the area
2: well i don't know about that but what i will say is i said to wayne look when you're out there i mean do you think you'll direct an occasional show here or there and i essentially got the impression that if elected he would serve um (laughs) Uh but um i'm i'm He didn't specifically mention um, uh, uh, the Palm Spring uh, Repertory Theater or even the Palm Spring Mask and Wig Club. I mean, I have no (laughs) idea. Uh, but, yeah, I think my buddy Luke Yankee, um, uh, who just had a, a production of his play in Austin Texas, Marilyn Mum and me, um, Marilyn is Marilyn Monroe, Mum is Eileen Heckert. and me is Luke Yankee, um, uh, where he got a tremendous reception up there i 've seen a, two readings of the play it 's terrific beyond belief, but anyway, and wonderfully cast um, the the people who are in the roles are just perfect for them, so um all things considered, I think we're going to see that play. But I know he's in Palm Springs, so that um, that is one more um, uh, indication that that's that's a place where um, uh, theatrical people are.
1: Looks like there's a McCallum Theater in Palm Palm oh, Desert, yeah? Calif- California.
2: Is that the same thing? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe some of our listeners can tell us who's out in that neck of the woods.
0: Parenthetically, I was uh, out last night with uh, a small group celebrating the birthday of Michael Levine, uh, the wonderful pianist and vocal coach and music archivist, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in the group was uh, Michael, myself, uh, Christine Petty, our friend Janice Finale, and Jim Morgan from the York Theatre oh, Company. Uh-huh. And somehow we got talking about Jones and Schmidt. Of course, Jim has worked with them very closely. Mm-hmm. And that's where the show goes on was was done. Uh, so we were reminiscing about them. And of course, Harvey has been gone for several years now. Um, but people were talking about um various notes and cards they had gotten from him over the years written in his own very distinctive hand. Uh, which we all know from the from the original logo of the Fantastics that that wonderful lettering that that Harvey mm. Schmidt himself did, um, and uh, he you know Tom is still very much with us. I, I forget where Jim said he is. He's not in New York anymore, but um, I, I believe Connecticut.
2: Right. Uh, uh, but it's funny you mentioned that handwriting because um, um, Harvey Schmidt used to send out. Christmas uh presents of um LPs right. Of his of his playing piano music. And, um to see Merry Christmas to Peter Felicia in that specific handwriting <laughs> was enough to get it framed it 's right under my pretty bell poster <laughs> so um so yeah i mean it, 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 it' that that handwriting is so quite wonderful, and I imagine most of our listeners know this, but uh, so many of those Ben Bagley covers uh, for those albums were drawn by Harvey Schmidt, who uh, certainly considered himself as much of an artist as he did a composer.
1: This Week on Broadway is being sponsored by Audible. As you probably know, Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and now, podcasts. We have highlighted Audible's work a number of times on Broadway Radio, and as a listener to Broadway Radio, you know that Audible has been supporting the development of new works through their Audible Theatre initiative. So I think that the combination of Broadway Radio listeners and Audible Plus is a perfect match. With Audible Plus, you get full access to the Plus Catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows, as well as exclusive series. Audible has so much for you to listen to. Just a few recommendations you can find are My Broken Language by Chiara Alegria-Hudis, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell, Mike Nichols, A Life by Mark Harris. These are three great lessons, and there's so much more. Audible Plus connects you to a ton of content that entertains, inspires, and informs. It's easy to find just the right listen, whether it's comedy, romance, suspense, true crime, science fiction, or fitness and wellness. You can even squeeze in a workout or guided meditation without having to go to the gym or a class. Visit audible.com/broadwayradio or text "Broadway Radio," all one word, lowercase, to five hundred. Five hundred to start your free thirty-day trial. We'd like to thank Audible for sponsoring Broadway Radio. So, uh, Michael, when you went out with uh, the other Michael last night, did you guys walk all the way up to the Heights?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, no, but actually, we did see the movie together (laughs) on a Uh, a previous occasion at the uh, at the IMAX at Lincoln Square. Uh, we want
1: to uh, throw in here that we might be doing some In the height spoilers during this section. So you might want to, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, skip ahead uh,
0: 10 minutes or so. Yes, thank you for that. I, I mean, there, I love the movie. There are so many interesting things about it. but um, And
1: you saw it how many times?
0: <laughs> well, let's see, three. Wow. Three Ooh, yeah. What an endorsement. Is it IMAXed? Um, well, you know, it's interesting you ask that because it's not technically IMAX, but the thing is, if I understand IMAX correctly, in the days of film, you know, actual film,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, IMAX was IMAX because it was uh, the film itself was like many times the size of actual 35 or even 70 millimeter film. Uh. And therefore it had tremendous resolution and so they could show it on like a screen the size of a wall, and it would look amazing. Do you know?
1: It was- uh, do you know that we have a listener who is world known for his technology in in theatrical film? I did uh, not, but
0: he can m- maybe weigh in on this because what so, I was a-
1: about. So Rob Johnston, one of our our listeners, who's usually here on Sunday morning, but he's not here this morning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, He has been flown all over the world to fix projectors and set up movie theaters all over the world, Mm. Um, and he would know exactly how to do this. So, Rob, you might want to weigh in. We'll we'll expand upon the IMAX experience next week.
0: (laughs) I had no idea he did that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, but anyway, so my point is that I I think that, um, but now that everything is digital, uh, I think Basically, all movies have that as much resolution, if not more, than an IMAX film Mm -hmm. used to have because it's all – You know, it's like 4K and 8K and all this stuff. So I think uh, that in that sense, IMAX doesn't really mean anything anymore, uh, unless I don't understand it correctly. (laughs) Um, So maybe Rob can help explain that to us.
1: So uh, in the Heights, uh, give us your review. You already said you loved it, and you saw it three times in the last couple of weeks. So tell us more.
0: Yeah, I'd love to discuss it with – so I guess Peter has not yet seen it, but James, you have, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, so again, we're going to we're going to go right in with the spoilers. All right. So if you don't want to hear, (laughs) uh, please feel free to skip ahead. Um, The movie has a framing device that the show did not have. The basic situation of the movie is that there's this character, Snavi, who is from the Dominican Republic, and he thinks he wants to go back. Uh, he 's living in uh, in Washington Heights, but he thinks he wants to go back uh, He has beautiful memories of the Dominican Republic when he was a child, and he has i guess you know a love hate uh, um, uh, let 's not say love hate but a mixed uh mixed feelings about where he lives now, as I think all of us do who live in New York City <laughs> um so he thinks he wants to go back and uh that that is a through line through the the entire movie and the show until at the end he realizes that basically home for him is now where he is now uh so uh this was very effective in the show and in the movie but in the movie they have a framing device it starts with him talking to a group of young children uh, apparently. In the Dominican Republic, on a at a bar on a beach, um, and the bar is called El Suenito which Mm -hmm. means little dream if i if i'm correct um so uh so when the movie first started and i saw it the first time i thought oh i guess maybe they made a major change in the plot of the show and that he does he does decide to go back to the dominican republic but then it turns out um at the very end of the movie that he he wasn't in the, none of these people were in the Dominican Republic at all. They uh, are actually sitting in uh, the bodega that Usnavi runs in Washington Heights, uh, which uh, eventually winds up with a painting, a a huge mural of the Dominican Republic on the wall. So it's kind of a a fake out for the audience. I, I do not know why they put that in the thing I like about it is that he um, it allows this framing device of him talking to these young children and telling them about all of these characters uh, in the heights and and that makes it a little easier to uh, introduce all the characters and it helps with the exposition uh, and I also love the idea of him uh, you know sort of passing on oral history of all these Wonderful characters to these very young children, but um, but I don't know why they need, they felt they needed to fake the audience out uh, and have us think that he did in fact go back when he doesn't. Um, so James, I'd love your thoughts on that specific. So- thing.
1: Uh, yeah i mean i was I was a little bit thrown by that, and uh Paul Witte mentions in the chat that he was uh, very angry that uh he he was uh thinking that it was not going to be a happy ending at the end where you know that that Uznavi stays in, in washington heights mm-hmm. um because I think that they were trying to lead us down that road and make us yes. think about how that my 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 thought about this is that um is that I re- was really impressed by the director, John Chu. Um, yes. Because I-, I don't think that he's got uh, experience in the, in the world of musicals, but uh, his other films are really... Uh, cra- Crazy Rich Agents is his most famous other film than this. Um, and I wondered how a non-theater person was going to make theater uh work on the screen and i think that he was spectacularly successful uh and and it made me wonder in the beginning when i saw this that he was uh, you know seemingly uh in the dominican republic in the dr um that oh wow uh this is going to be a train wreck but they they you know you got to trust the professionals. They, they 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 made it. They made it really work. So I, I thought that uh, I thought that it it if you had seen this stage show before mm. that uh, it it made a concern to you. I think uh, Peter, what were there twelve hundred performances, fourteen hundred performances on Broadway, or it was, so? It was, I think it was eleven hundred something. So uh, about three three some odd years. Um, mm-hmm. So certainly uh, not a ton of people had mm. uh, seen it in comparison to what you can see on the big screen or HBO Max. Um, so I think that that probably only bothered people that saw the uh, saw the uh, stage show.
0: Well, I've been thinking about it a lot, but except that th- th- there's also something about it that doesn't make any sense, because if they really are still in washington heights and these little children have grown up there uh, and never left it then why does he need to tell them the, the story, story? <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so i i wish they hadn't uh, made that decision uh, and i guess um it was the uh the screenwriter who is also the original author of the book mm-hmm. uh on Barbai chiara alegria hudes uh and uh but whoever made the decision, I, I wish they had rethought it i don 't think it was ultimately i don 't think it was necessary. I completely agree with you about john Chu uh, i think i think it 's interesting to note that some of the very best film adaptations of Broadway musicals were made by directors who were well regard, very well regarded as directors but had no previous experience directing musicals, for example. Robert Wise when he did West Side mm-hmm. Story, Fred Zinneman when he did Oklahoma. Um, those are only two examples, mm-hmm. and and uh, so uh, I guess if you're a really good director, you're a really good director, and uh, <laughs> and I'm glad that they that they got him to do it. I, I I as far as the filming of it, I hardly think it could have been better. Uh, it, it's just. Beautifully, beautifully done.
1: My only, uh, the only scene that I, 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 sort of got out of was the, uh, the scene with uh, Benny and Nina on the balcony. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, there's something happen that happens in there, and I guess we, again we're doing all these spoilers, so we <laughs> we can yeah. go go ahead. Uh, yeah, it starts out as a fairly realistic scene uh, of them on the fire escape. And then they, uh, the camera shifts, and it's really quite extraordinary, the technique of it. They're suddenly dancing on the walls of the building, uh, and the screen shifts so that you have a different perspective of them. Uh, you know, Sometimes the walls are horizontal, uh, and sometimes they're vertical, but they're, they're dancing on it. Uh, and it. And it's an unbroken shot. So um, how they did it, I do not know. I, I presumably they didn't do it That's the a same green way. screen. I think it was green screen. Yes. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's the, when it transitions for, for them from going like from mm-hmm. them stepping on the on, off of the fire escape onto the wall. That's got to be a little tricky, <laughs> you know, um, uh, and I don't think they did it the same way they did it when Fred Astaire uh, famously danced on the walls and the ceiling. And yeah. uh, was it Royal Wedding? Uh, so. Yeah, in that case, I believe that they actually had the whole room was on yeah. a turn, was in a, yeah. <laughs> a, a what do you call it? A, not a turntable. A, a
2: well, you know, know what the, you mean. the whole
0: room was rotating. <laughs> yeah, <Isn't
2: that laughs> I don't. Amazing? I don't
0: think they did it that way here because uh, we have mm-hmm. modern techniques. But it was. Um, I agree with you uh, to a certain extent, James, because they had never used that technique before in the movie, and so it was a little late in the movie to hit you with something new like that. Uh, there are other things in the movie that are very, uh, from the beginning, uh, Chu was smart enough to, uh, cue us in that is not going to be quote unquote realistic in any, uh, in any way. There are, um, little animations in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and things, things of that. So, oh, uh, there's this, the wonderful scene in the, uh, beauty parlor, uh, mm. where, uh, the, the song, um, uh, what is the title of it? i really should learn the title of it uh tell me something i don't know uh and at one point the um uh the wigs <laughs> the wig heads uh on the wall start nodding along yeah to <laughs> to the i was thinking i was yeah. thinking the uh of the of the producers when the
1: uh pigeons on the roof start to yes uh, start exactly. to go along. yeah
0: and i think that's smart because it you know it it, it um it makes audiences relax, I think, to a certain extent, if they know well, this is obviously not realism, and so uh, it's fine for people to suddenly keep bursting into song throughout the <laughs> throughout the movie um, so uh that's what I thought about that um oh um tied into my my first point about the framing device, uh it seems to me that that another major change is that the movie as opposed to the show makes um a big deal about how uh, the neighborhood is changing through gentrification, and um, to the point where uh, that character, uh, the, the one who owns the beauty parlor and her her people who work for her, uh, the character played by uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, uh, she, she is moving. Uh, she is leaving Washington Heights and moving to another location. And then also there's the, the plot that was always in the show uh, but is amplified in the movie about how the car service that is run by Nina's father uh, played by Jimmy Smith's that is going away because he already had sold half of it. And now he's going to be selling the other half of it in order to get the money to keep her uh, uh, to raise the money for her tuition at Stanford. so um, But I don't recall that being a, a, a point that was made in the show so much that the, the neighborhood is disappearing. Uh, they actually say that line in the movie. Uh, but if the neighborhood is disappearing – you know at the same time, they keep telling us that Usnavi is realizing that he wants to stay there because it 's his home, so I think that 's a little contradictory, and I don 't know i mean I, I, I mean, I like that they added the gentrification plot because it is something that we know that happens but i don 't think it fits in very well with the rest of the theme of the movie. What do you think about that, James?
1: Uh, I can see what you're saying, uh, and again, it, it. I think that it's a comparison between the original, the original uh, Broadway and Off Broadway productions and the movie, mm. and it didn't didn't bother me as much. Uh, Tony Janicki has added in the chat that uh, John Chu did did the same technique for the the waltz, uh, the the balcony scene. Um, in Royal Wedding, and he also said that it's actually uh, the fire escape and the wall are actually a set. When Benny puts his left foot on the wall with his right foot anchored on the fire escape, the wall actually begins to move and it be Eventually, I guess, rotates and becomes a flat surface.
0: So it really so, was yeah. the same as Royal Wedding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then they must have added the uh, you know the George Washington Bridge in the background. And yeah, stuff. that
1: was that was all green screen through CGI. I, yeah, 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 that, yeah, that was all green screen. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, uh, what did you think of the casting? I mean, uh, from top to bottom, Anthony Ramos, I thought was really really wonderful,
0: really great, uh,
1: really great. and uh, the fact that they brought in uh, Mark Antony. Anthony and uh, uh, Jimmy Smits <laughs> um, to to do these roles are really wonderful. Uh, uh, Melissa uh, Barrera is that yeah. her name as Vanessa, and Leslie Grace as Nina, and yes. then Corey, Corey Hawkins as Benny. I I don't think this could have been cast any any better. Uh, I just thought it was really wonderful.
0: I agree, and I'm well. I will not get into it, but I'm tremendously upset uh, over this. Engendered controversy about the fact, literally about the fact that the skin tone yeah. of the of the performers is not dark enough. Uh, I, I I I just don't want to get into that because I'm afraid of what I'll say. Uh, but I think I agree with you. It's beautifully, beautifully cast. It's really great to have Olga Merediz uh, as Abuela back from the from the show, and that was one of the changes uh, that I really loved. Her song. Patienza i fe in the show occurs much earlier, but in in the movie and again, spoiler coming up, um, they do it as a kind of a fantasy that she has just before she dies, uh, yeah. and I think that was wonderful uh because for for one thing uh th- there's a lot of exposition songs in in the heights and a lot of i want songs and a lot of character songs uh songs that explicate the characters um and there are many of them in the first part obviously you know front loaded uh in in the first part of the movie um so by moving Potency Fade to almost almost the end um that that moved it out of that cluster of of those types of songs at the beginning. And it also was very, very effective the way they filmed it and especially the end of it um, as as really her, um, you know, her vision of uh, of of that that she's going on to uh you see the white light at the at, at the end yeah. of the tunnel pretty much uh I, I thought that was beautifully beautifully done
1: i've never seen that tunnel look better that i think that was the actual tunnel up at 181st street on the a train you know have you ever been in that tunnel
0: no, but they all, didn't they also use um isn't there a staircase they use that's
1: yeah. famous mm-hmm. yeah sure so
0: uh all right, well, we're actually uh running very far
1: behind, so let's do you have one more thought that you need to add in before we move forward?
0: Oh, um, yeah. Uh, just one other thing that I did like is they changed the the way that the revelation of the winning yeah, lottery the ticket, ticket yeah. mm-hmm. occurs. And I think uh, I, I I don't need to explain that, I guess. I, yeah. If you um, I'll, I'll save that for, you you know, for you to see the movie. But I think that that was extremely effective. At first, I didn't know if I liked it because it's very different from what happens in the movie. Um uh, in the movie it happens much earlier but in the i mean i'm sorry in the show it happens much earlier but in the movie it's it's quite near the end and i thought it was all the more dramatically effective for that reason so the last thing i want to say is uh
1: are we going to see a revival of in the heights on broadway That's oh
2: another um, question Yeah, really, that type of thing seems to happen now. Um, There would have been a time where that would have been an impossibility, but uh, I don't think that's impossible.
0: I think it would have been more likely if this movie had been more successful. Uh, For whatever reason, I'm quite surprised it doesn't seem to be doing very well in the first few weeks. And we discussed it a little bit um, after the first weekend, and I think there were all kinds of reasons why that. Uh, that was a disappointing showing, but it's, I just glanced at IMDb and it looks like it's not really, uh, it hasn't really hit yet.
2: Well, on the other hand, uh, certainly uh, the movies of chorus line and phantom and cats were terrible disappointments. Um, So uh, maybe people would rather see in the Heights on Broadway. Who knows? Hmm. (laughs) So Peter, Hmm?
1: What are your seven deadly sins? (laughs) Well, I don't. uh, uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that takes a much longer time uh, (laughs) than we have. You say we're running late, and now you want all these confessions. Um, Friends, what he's referring to is the fact that there is a a show called Seven Deadly Sins at 94 Gansport Street. And it sounds like it's going to be terrific because um, uh, it's going to be – and outdoor things, uh, so don't expect that this is going to run into the dead of winter. You literally are going to sit on folding chairs in the middle of the street. The streets are blocked off, of course. And you are going to watch um, little playlets, seven of them. Well, eight, really, because there's an introductory one um, in, in in front of store windows. The, and inside the store window, um, you're going to see... Um, people people acting, and uh, they're going to represent uh, those seven deadly sins. So uh, there's a storefront for gluttony and a storefront for pride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I, I'm very glad it's going to be um, at ganvor Street uh, 94, which is pretty, pretty far west. And so as a result on these hot summer nights, you're going to get a nice breeze from the river, and that's going to help tremendously. But um, for those of us who love to see theater off the beach path. Uh, we're on a beaten path, literally, and uh, as, as we sit there. So I'm looking forward to this hit, and um, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: This sounds quite a, a lot like that show I saw at St. Anne's Warehouse a few years ago. Was it called Hell House? I didn't see it. Um, yeah, and I guess it's a, it's a tradition where you, you go through um, it's a, a tradition in like religious communities uh, where they act out the uh, the seven deadly sins, and Are it's they supposed really? to wow. sway you. You know, you see, you see what's what's happening to these people who sin, and it and it makes you a better Christian for it. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> so, uh, Peter, you
1: also had mentioned that uh, not only did you go to Music Theater Wichita, but you also headed to where was it?
2: Madison, Wisconsin.
1: Madison, that's right. The Forward Theatre Company.
2: Yeah, really. Um, it was a terrific experience to uh, go out there. And uh, the reason I went out there, to be perfectly frank, is because they had a monologue competition. And I entered. And um, I was one of the 12 selected, I'm happy to say. And um, it was a terrific experience. Um, they're so nice out there, and there's so much talent. Um, whoa, um, I didn't see a, a, a single uh, Lemon in terms of, uh, I shouldn't use that term since I was just praising Caitlin Lemon. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I didn't see a single bad performance of any of the 12. So, um, but wow, what a nice organization they have out there. It really is a terrific, terrific thing. And um, a, a, a wonderful woman named Marie Cola directed my monologue, with a gentleman named uh, Jim Pickering and uh, a terrific actor. And it really was quite nice to see it come to life. Um, Frankly, the play was inspired by Harry Townsend's Last Stand, which was uh, off-Broadway um, before the pandemic, and you can still see some ads on bus shelters around town. And that play was about uh, an old man played by Len Carrioux and his very adult son, um, who's probably in his 40s or even 50s, played by Craig Bierko, uh, and he's convincing, um, Len you. that he has to go to a senior ci- uh, citizen's facility, um, assisted living. And uh, this man wants no assistance, but he goes. And, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm not getting any younger, needless to say. And um, the day will come, um, maybe sooner rather than later, when I'm going to have to face this problem. And and I am telling you, I am not going. Um, <laughs> I am I am staying here you know I mean you know if they give me a room I don't know both of you have been here I mean this stuff will not fit in a room you know there's a lot of books here there's a lot of cds here there's a lot of uh, fill in the blank here and you know, the thing is, if, if I fall and I hit my head and it cracks open and I bleed to death, um, I'm going to be seeing these uh, things as I die. That's perfectly fine with me. So it's, it's, that's what the monologue's about. A guy who's being taken out, uh, tells about being taken out to one of these places. And um, he convinces the boy that um, indeed the man that indeed um, he'd rather stay home. Now, what's the metaphor? Well, Some years ago, um, I had a goal of seeing every major league team play in its own park. And I was uh, in Milwaukee, ironically enough, uh, not far from Madison, and uh, to see the Brewers play. And as I was going up to the box office, a guy rushed up to me and said, "Um, listen, do you need a ticket? Because uh, my friend can't make it and I'll sell it to you. I'll sell it to you uh, cheaper. And I said, sure. So anyway, um, so we sat together, needless to say. And he was saying, you know, you know, here we are in Milwaukee County Stadium. And next year, there's going to be a brand new stadium, and I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. But, you know, I remember when I was over there, when Eddie Matthews caught that ball at third base that changed the World Series, and I remember being over there when uh, I saw the All-Star game. And um, so this is the metaphor I used uh, that, uh, that our, um, our senior citizen, um, Jim Pickering in this case, uh, talks about the fact He and the boy used to go to Comiskey Park and all the memories they had. And now whenever they go to the new Comiskey Park, yes, it's shiny and bright and cleaner and the restrooms are better and what have you. But but the real bottom line is that they don't have the memories there. And so just as the guy in his home has the memories, if he winds up going to a room in a senior uh, senior citizen facility, the memories aren't going to be there. And it's not going to be the same. So at the end of the monologue, uh, the son turns around and drives him back home. So that's what old Comiskey Park is about. And um, But really, what a terrific organization that they have there. Um, this is a theater, of course, I had never heard of. Um, I'd never been to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, which is a lovely little town. There's a, a, an arts district that uh, really is terrific to see. And um, you know, as as um, Marie said, um, it, it reminds you of Harvard Square because she's um, um, a Harvard Radcliffe graduate. And so is Jennifer Apoff-Gray, who uh, runs the theater and whose niece appeared in one of the monologues and uh, Madison. A puff is her name. And she um, said to me beforehand, you know, I, I, I know there's going to be cries of nepotism, but wait till you see this girl. Mm-hmm. Well, if I had a nickel for every time uh, somebody has said to me, wait till you see, um, I could buy a ticket to Bruce Springsteen uh, for a Stroh uh, Orchestra. But oh my God. This girl is just a, uh, going into her senior high school. You'd never know it. Listen, I'm telling you right now, this is the first time you've heard the name Madison Uphoff. You're going to hear it plenty of times in the future. So um, so really, so a very nice experience out at um, Fullwood Theater uh, Company in Milwaukee. Um, Madison, sorry. And um, uh, really, uh, I, I hope to keep in touch with this theater as time goes on. Great.
1: So, uh, Michael, we haven't talked about your vacation. You went up to Provincetown, and you uh, tripped across a cabaret convention.
0: (laughs) Yes, almost literally. I I had planned to go Uh with my friend, Eric Kennedy, who uh, is usually my traveling companion, to P-Town because he lives in Boston, uh, so that makes things easier. Uh, And we planned to go anyway at this time. Uh so I really didn't check in to see what performances would be there and most of them uh were just about to start. Uh it's really uh ju- the July 4th weekend that the big um, performances start to kick in. But there was uh sure enough there was this thing going on there called Broadway at the Beach, the 21st Provincetown Cabaret Fest. And that was a pleasant surprise to me because it was starring Sidney Meyer. Ah. Uh, yes. Hmm. Who is, yeah. has been a fixture at Don't Tell Mama for decades. In addition to being, uh, the booker there, uh, and many, many, many people know him in that capacity. He's a great performer. Um, and he was the star of this festival, but also, um, they had a lot of names that I don't recognize. I imagine they're locals. But um, the musical directors were Tracy Stark and Mike Renzi, uh, both from the city here, and both mm-hmm. of whom actually I heard play separately very recently at the West Bank Cafe. And um, the Lifetime Achievement Award recipient was Steve Ross. Um, and then also on hand was Michael Mackesy, uh who I knew decades ago when he used to play open mic at don't tell mama and then i believe he left new york for quite some time but now he's back and he's very much around now and it was lovely lovely to see him i stuck my head in at the open mic night that um that they had as part of this festival and and to hear him it was the first time i'd heard him or seen him in in many many years so that was very wonderful and moving for me Uh, oh and also by the way steve ross um it was uh, fun to see that, that he was involved in this because I was recently w- rewatching the movie Big with Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I had completely forgotten that Steve is in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> is he really? He, there's a quick shot of it's at the party at the corporate party that they have. Where, uh, Josh, uh, shows up in this ridiculous tuxedo. Oh, yeah. The like caviar scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the caviar. The famous right. caviar scene. And yeah, sure enough. Um, there's a pan of, uh, a bunch of musicians playing at the the party. Uh, and there's Steve. Um, and that movie was 1988. So it was fun to see, uh, um, you know, be reminded of what, <laughs> what he looked like in 1988. Uh, uh, and that was a really, really pre- pleasant little surprise. I, I, oddly enough he's not credited at all uh at mm. the end um i don't know if that was by choice or what um so i'll have to ask him about that when i see him but very very nice surprise to see him in that movie and in province <laughs> wonderful
1: all right so i think that wraps it up for today Uh, Michael, you didn't send me a musical moment. Uh, Do you want to talk about one?
0: Yeah, I I had completely forgotten, to be honest. Uh, But I think maybe what we will do is feature that song I was mentioning from In the Heights. And the title, by the way, is No Me Diga. Uh, I will send the the cut from the original cast recording uh, featuring Andrea Burns et al. And that will be our musical moment. I really, really love that number. Um, I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda did an incredible job. He's great at writing all kinds of songs, uh, and he really, um, really excels at comedy numbers, I think. And this is an example of that. So we can have that, and then we can... um, maybe uh start the podcast with with a cut from the from the movie soundtrack so we'll give you a taste of both all
1: right so on behalf of michael portantier and peter felicia this is james marino saying thanks so much for listening to broadway radios this week on broadway bye 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 Bye. Bye.
0: tell me something i don't know I dropped out No me diga. I should go Well that's a chitty piece of news That girl never quit anything What the hell happened? I don't know I don't know I
2: don't
1: know, know.
0: Que se yo